0: Today on Rebuilders, we cover a bit of ground. Mark, what do we talk about?
1: A lot. We're looking at um, the culture, we're looking at the news, and uh, we're looking at, is there an alien invasion? Uh, (laughs) We're being invaded by aliens. uh, More in particular, we're looking at the Chinese spy balloon, the different crafts that are being shot down. What does this mean for geopolitics? What does this mean for the Cold War? And what does this mean of how that's going to change the culture? Catching up on a lot of news today.
0: Excellent. Well, let's get into it. If you want to know a little bit more about the episode, a bit of behind the scenes, you can subscribe to our mailing list by heading to rebuilders.co. Let's get into it. Hi, welcome to Rebuilders. My name is Liddy and I'm here with Mark and Daniel. How are you both going this week?
1: I'm really well, thank you. Doing well over this side. I feel like I'm further away from you guys today. Yeah, you are. I well, mean, we have a new new constellation of the room configuration. Constellation? Yeah, constellation
0: <laughs> isn't quite right. I mean, I guess it to a certain extent it makes sense.
1: So for those watching on YouTube, uh, you'll be able to see the new wall behind us. Uh, well, it's not
0: the wall itself isn't new.
1: Yes. Well, a, a constellation may not be the right word for what I just said, but I think it's the right word for what we're going to be talking about today because I'm excited.
0: Yeah, well, because yes. we're in the midst
1: of an alien invasion, and I prepared. Uh, I've been prepared for this my whole no. life from when I was a boy and saw ET. Uh, I've, <laughs> I've been ready. You've been ready. And Is that uh, why you've yeah. been building the bunker in your backyard? Yes. No, so <laughs> no, he's no, got a place no, no, to no. put his
0: baked beans. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> he bought them in bulk I can't from stand SPC.
1: Baked beans? Really? No. Nah. Really? Don't like them. Baked beans on toast? No, nah, not having them.
0: Have you had any artisan type baked beans, you know, with I like ham, hock, and, you know, like Yeah, a no, nice... they're all right. Okay. So you just I've don't coo- like I cooked
1: that myself, like okay. proper baked beans, but like, you know, the, the ones in a can, Heinz SPC. Like. <sighs> they're a staple. They're part of.
0: I don't know. There's a there's a time and a place for me. Good buttery toast and yeah, some baked nah, beans.
1: Yeah. No. Nah. Yeah. No. Nah. Okay. I used to, I used to, like, growing up in regional South Australia, we used to have like. Like f- fellowship after church on Sundays, where there's like a pulled lunch, and one of the regular dishes what like like a big pot of baked beans with like like caramelized onion through it. And
0: oh, uh-huh. so
1: would they take the canned beans, baked beans yeah, and put caramelized? Yep, and caramelized onion. This is great. the Barossa, isn't this meant to be a a, a food food region? Yeah, it, it is. Do they <laughs>
0: chuck some wine in there as well, just to? <laughs> no,
1: nah, that you know. was that was communion.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, fair enough. Good Lutherans. We also had
1: carrot jelly. That was a thing. Carrot jelly? Yeah. On oh, no. on earth? It was like grated carrot in jelly.
0: Oh, that was so eighties. Oh, putting uh, everything in like jelly molds. Man. Yeah. Oh, oh. what a rich. That is rich a Google rabbit hole that childhood you, I had. You can't unsee. <laughs>
1: Uh, anyway, is, wow. okay, I'm disturbed now.
0: <laughs> well, to continue a- with feeling disturbed, mm. are we being invaded by aliens? That is the question. Uh, last week we uh, did the episode Discipling the Contemporary Self and we just want to say thank you uh, to those of you who have reached out um, and, yeah, I guess felt that it resonated with uh, mm. where where you're at, where your church or organization um is at and it sort of yeah seemed to have touched touched a a nerve i suppose of what is happening at the moment so we're actually going to continue with uh some of those ideas in our next episode but today because it is pertinent we are going to be looking at a number of things that are happening in the world, in particular Chinese spy balloons, um, your potential thoughts around the escalation of the Ukraine war, Mark, and yes. what this might mean for changes in culture that yeah. could be on the horizon.
1: Yeah. So, um, yep. So, Discipling the Contemporary Self next week, we're going to do part yes, two. Part two. Um, But, yeah, just thought there was some, as this, you know, classically listeners, long-term listeners uh, of this podcast, now we interpret what's going on in the world and the culture and then dive into issues like discipleship. So back into the culture and the world this week. Um, But I just thought it would be of note um, quite a a fascinating week, really, Mm, Yeah. (laughs) which needs um, some, I think, deciphering uh, because, you know, I was looking at Twitter before and uh, it's been a buzz. With people asking are aliens, you know, uh, buzzing the United States. So, just to give people some um, uh, background, uh, basically, uh, a balloon mm-hmm. um, was filmed, um, and I think it was um, first.
0: Can I just clarify? Yes. When so, when I first heard this, I yes. naively was like, "Oh, you know, like a little helium balloon just drifting off in the atmosphere." Not the case, no. right?
1: This thing was a monster. So 60 um, meters. 60 meters. Um, what's yeah. that in feet for our North Americans? Uh, it is 196 feet. 196 feet. And I think that was that the payload? Because the actual payload at the bottom was like equivalent of three buses, yeah. I think. It says 60 meters tall. Uh, so
0: outrageous.
1: Huge. And and I think it first came to a note of someone recorded on TikTok or something. And then there was sort of this bit of a pu- public backlash. Not backlash. Well, it sort of turned into a backlash. People are like, why are we letting this thing fly over our country? Um, and is this an invasion of our sovereignty? And because it's a big – I mean, the, the funny thing is we've got satellites. You know, if you yeah. go stand outside for any period of time at night, you'll see satellites. Mm. And there's spy satellites from all different countries going over us all the time with very good cameras. Um, but I think there's something simple like about a big – fat old spy balloon that you can see with your naked eye in the day going mm. over so this sort of turned into a bit of a political uh, basket and then uh joe biden uh gave the order to shoot it down so they shot it down um, I, th- I think they that is an f-22 is that correct i'll just get you a fact check as i'm going off the top of my head here which i think is yeah, one of the newer fighters which can go quite high so i think it was around Maybe sixty to ninety thousand feet. 60, 000. So sixty thousand feet. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they had to wait, and they because they had such a low, long, a big payload, they didn't want to do it over a. I mean, you want to get wouldn't want to be sitting in your house in the afternoon and have three <laughs> busloads of payload dropped on you. Uh, so the, I think they did it just as it hit the water, and they've been retrieving it. So what the news is that that has been effectively confirmed as a Chinese spy balloon. Okay, China uh, denied it, and basically said it was a civilian. Aircraft that had just like got lost, a weather thing, weather balloon, or something. Was it was it like Gilligan's it? ship, you know, been lost um, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> on a three-hour tour. A three-hour um, tour. And, uh, uh, but what's interesting then you had the news that there was another um, – well, there was other ones being seen. So there was one scene going across South America, across Colombia, mm-hmm. um, and uh, others that uh, then you had these other crafts which basically I think you had the first one over Alaska mm-hmm. um, which was a smaller one and that was shut down by an F-22. Um, I think there was another one in, in Canada, the Canadian. So basically I've got NORAD which is sort of this – Uh, organization or agreement between the US and Canada over air defense. So I think the Canadians alerted um, uh, NORAD and I think they gave permission for an F-22 to fly into Canadian airspace over the Yukon and um, that was also shot down. They've been yet to be able to find that one. Okay. Um, I'm just trying to get the details, Daniel, if you could mm-hmm. just fact check me, mm-hmm. uh, if the one that was over the Yukon is the one that's crashed into. So I think from memory there was one in Alaska, Yukon, and then one over Lake Huron. Um, uh, You're saying names there I have not heard of. Okay, uh, so Alaska. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard of Alaska. Yeah. The Alaska, there was the Yukon, which is in Canada. And then I think there was one um, sort of just almost near the Canadian-US border near Michigan is it like is that near Lake Michigan? I don't know. Um, uh, so I'll keep going as you fact check me. Um, but what was interesting about these things is that the uh, Pentagon uh, basically came out and said, "Look, we're not calling them balloons; they're craft." And um, added some interesting um, commentary around it. Mm. it was things like um, one of the reports came back from one of the pilots that as they approached this thing, that their sensors were messed with. Um, people, uh, the pilots said they didn't know how they were flying, staying in the air. Uh, they couldn't see any sort of like um, instruments on the outside. Okay. And uh, so basically, the news went out that, you know, these three objects had been shot down. And um, at the same time, this will happen, China then said they had an object over one of its um, uh, naval bases where it keeps right. its aircraft carrier. Uh, the Uruguayan Air Force then. We're talking about the stuff I <laughs> require. So, you had this moment where it was, you know, like World of, you know, War of the Worlds um, sort of emerging on Twitter. Um, but, really interestingly, in the, you get this weird messaging in the um, briefings coming out of the US government. So, Pentagon, I watched I watched the press conference and, uh, mm-hmm. like the journalist said, um, they am being laughed at that I'm watching a, a Pentagon press <laughs> briefing. <laughs> Uh, was there anything else on I'm TV at the time? In, or? in
0: no way you're surprised about this. Um,
1: uh, well, there was many, it was during the Super Bowl. <laughs> 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 I don't Super Bowl, follow American football Pentagon. Um, yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, so basically, um, uh, the reporter asked. Uh, I think she asked. You know, the, the general who's giving the press briefing. You know, is you know, can you categorically rule out this is extraterrestrials? And his response was strange in that, like he said, "Oh, like I'm not ruling anything out." And then, of course, the headlines everywhere are. Pentagon not ruling out extraterrestrials um, and then they've come out and denied it but then you get this just different messaging so um
0: so hold on can i just clarify you were saying that um, they identified it as a chinese the first spy balloon, balloon. Right. yeah and then that was denied but no, then no, no uh, so so
1: they have they've, they've agreed that they they've said the first one the big yeah. the big the big the big sixty meter one. Big sixty meter one was yeah. was a Chinese spy balloon. But the three others they're then they're, they're refusing oh, to confirm that they were balloons. Gotcha. They're okay. calling them objects or crafts. Yes. They're refusing to say where they're from. They're saying they don't know where they're from. They're saying they don't know how they're flying. They're behaving in strange ways that they're not sort of seen. Yeah. You know, and they're doing strange things. And so they're now currently, um, I think the Royal Canadian Mounties uh, police are trying to get it in the Yukon, find it. And they're trying to find the one in Alaska and the one in the lake. So they're trying to find them all.
0: So what do you make of that, you know, kind of hesitant response?
1: Yes. Yes. Okay. So this, this is where, okay. And is it fear mongering? Okay, so, so, so the, reason, the reason this is not just like a UFO uh, little chat we're having. I think that this marks something significant and I'll just spoiler alert, this ain't aliens, <laughs> so, number one. Would
0: you say that the truth is out there? The truth
1: is out there <laughs> and, and, and I want to believe. Um, uh, oh. and, and if you come into my office, I've got to post it. Behind uh. what you say. Um, uh, so Okay, so we need to go back a little bit here. And um, you need to go back to uh, around 2017, you start having these reports come out of basically craft that uh, various predominantly Navy, US Navy, were encountering um, some of their um, ships, um, carriers, um, the USS Nimitz and the USS Theodore Roosevelt were encountering. And basically um, a number of footage was released, some of it going back to 2004, and it was with – interactions with craft very similar to this. Okay. Now instead of calling them UFOs they called them UAP which I think is unidentified aerial platforms and they were craft moving in strange ways. One of the most famous of these was was one which was then classified as Tic Tac. And tic-tac was a craft which um, looked like a Mm tic-tac and it moved, it even went into the water. Now, really interesting, and this has not been mentioned much in the media but people are pointing this out, that the description of the tic-tac, which was encountered I think off the California coast during a naval exercise somewhere off I think San Diego Mm. um, by I think it was an F-18 fighter pilot or something, um, that effectively tic-tac, the the description of tic-tac matches what was shot down over Alaska. Right. Um, So... Uh, These reports were released and it was just very interesting that these were released to the public and the Navy was saying really strange things like, we don't know what these things are, we don't know how they're moving. It was a very strange release which at the time – uh, I thought I took note of. Mm. Um, so often on this podcast, you get you get the the, the fruit of things I've watched for some <laughs> time. Okay,
0: so what year did you say that was? Sorry, two thousand and four. So I
1: think that I think no. So I think the the videos went back to as far as two thousand and four, but I think yeah. they started releasing them in twenty nineteen, and that was sort of leaked. Okay, okay, so this is how it sort of came out. Got it. Um, and there was even a fighter pilot. Oh, in 2017, the New York Times reported on some of these uh, incidents and there was even like a couple of fighter pilots have come out and said, oh, you know, I had this experience. There was also other ones in 2019 where other videos came out of um, like US ships. So I think it was the USS Russell which was like swarmed by all these different crafts at the same time. and uh, So really interesting sort of phenomenon. And for mm-hmm. the for the military to say this. Now, look, there's a long history of, of – Crafts and stuff like this, but a couple of things to note: these were primarily around um, uh, military. So I often, hear you know UFOs of you know a couple driving home from Sunday night dinner on a lonely road somewhere in Middle America and encounter a UFO. These were ones that were encountered around military bases. So that's a okay. note. Okay, so this is where the story intersects with the history of the band Blink One Eight Two, which is what I'm sure the audience was. Um,
0: I mean, we all knew that that was where we were going.
1: So in 2014, the uh, member of Blink-182, Tom DeLong, um, I think that's how you pronounce his name, uh, basically announced a new venture that he was a part of called To the Stars for the Academy of Sciences or whatever it was called. Mm -hmm. And uh, effectively what this was was, you know, he talked about he had this interest in uh, UFOs Mm -hmm. and space and uh, basically created an entertainment company. I'm just going to read you their um, mission statement. To the Stars is an award-winning, vertically integrated, I'm going to love this language, vertically integrated, Mm -hmm. entertainment company that creates original content informed by experiences working with prestigious government agencies and academic institutions taught across film, television, uh, publishing, and merchandise with the goal of turning the world on to new ideas and new possibilities. So, I mean, just magical, absolutely magical. And the new ideas and possibilities are effectively that there is aliens and there's UFOs and stuff like this. Okay, so it's fronted by Tom DeLonge um, and they have been pushing a lot of this UFO stuff. Mm -hmm. So, you know, talk of aliens and space travel and stuff like this. So it's interesting that this happens just a couple of years before. So effectively what is this? This is a PR media company to promote an interest in UFOs. Yeah. Okay, this happens in 2014. So just a couple of years, and they've got a whole media, uh, uh, you know, wing to do this. They've got relationships with all the big media. You know, if you go into their website, they've literally got you know featured in the New York Times, Rolling Stone, CNN, Hollywood Reporter, Washington Post, Politico, Variety. Okay, so this is like a, a big time PR, hugely funded. Yeah. Okay, so what is this? Is this just some power punk pop star Tom DeLonge doing his thing? Well, he's the chairman of the board. God bless his knitted beanie. Um, and, uh, but what's interesting is when you start looking at the other people, so I'm just going to read a couple of them. So here you go, UFOs. Who else is on the board? Well, we've got Jim Sevivan. Uh, what did he do? He's the co-founder and he's the he's the vice president of operations. What, what was his job before uh, he did this? You before know. to the start? Was, was he in a punk band? No, he was 25 years the operations officer, which is the big cheese who does ops. For the Central Intelligence Agency's Directorate of Operations. Uh, and He currently serves as a consultant to the CIA on tradecraft and countering weapons of mass destructions and he's an award-winning CIA officer. Uh, so you've got him, you look at who's on the board of this, uh, you've got Hal Putoff who is an advisor to the Department of Defence, NASA, And the intelligence community and has a long history in the really weird edge of when like the CIA was trying to get like psychics to do stuff. If you've ever seen like the movie, which was based on a book by John Ronson, The Men Who Stare at Goats. There were these really weird things where they were trying to do like weird stuff. Um, you know, like just some other people. John Sherman, who's this guy? He's on the board. Uh, he works at Price Waterhouse Cooper, the big accounting firm, but also works for the White Sands NASA, NASA Missile Testing Facility So, and the Johnson Space Centre, NASA guy. So, again, military industrial complex. Uh, we've got Dr. Paul Rapp. Doctor? Yep, he's a doctor. That's good. That's something different. Oh, hang on. He's the CIA doctor. Um, <laughs> works for them. Um, and then you've got Dr. Norman Kahn, former CIA counterbiological biological weapons program, 30 years at the Central Intelligence Agency, uh, and he's an he's a, a assistant to the US government's NEC, which is the National Security Consultant. So you've got this bizarre uh, group of basically national security people, CIA people who are funding a thing to explore, does the government know about UFOs and how can we sell the public on this? But they all yeah. work in missiles and armaments and technology. Very strange. Okay, so um, hold on to hold on to your hats, by the way, everyone here. If you think I'm about to, I've taken announce, mine off because uh, I'm
0: just like, <laughs> it's I'll <long gone. laughs> we'll lose it. So.
1: Um, Interestingly, too, um, the other person which has really been pushing, um, another group which has been pushing uh, this and has been the face of this um, and trying to get leaks out of the government is- uh, When you a- say
0: this, are you referring to the a suggestion UAPs. of- yep.
1: yes. So there's people like filing like freedom of information, like what does the government know about yes. okay. U- UAPs. Sure, sure. And particularly at the time when the videos that are coming out of the USS Nimitz and all of this- um, uh, you started to have this big like, oh, we we need to know the truth. And there were these UFO guys. They're big on Twitter. They've got YouTube channels and stuff like this. And one guy who was always in the media who works for To The Stars, so the Uh company I just mentioned is a guy called Luis Elizondo, Um, and he was like, uh, he is on the History Channel, um, uh, Unidentified, Inside America's UFO Investigation. So presents himself Mm. as an outsider, UFO researcher, um, et cetera, etc. Cetera. So um, who is he? Well, his dad was a Cuban exile um, to the USA and was part of the group of CIA exiles who did the uh, tried to overthrow the Cuban government um, in the Bay of Pigs invasion. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's his father. Um, but what was uh, Luis Elizondo's role before he got into UFO investigation? He was a U.S. Army counterintelligence special agent and he worked for the DIA. Oh, uh, oh, sorry, he worked for the Office of De- uh, Defense Intelligence. So he was basically a counterintelligence officer for the U.S. military and he was military intelligence. Uh, so you've got this totally bizarre thing going on where you've got these people going, well, the government leaks stuff and tell us what it's want and they literally work for the government. Yeah, okay. Okay. So, so the people
0: I'm- who are asking for the... Information also work for the place that has the information.
1: Yes. Got and it. and all tend to be in the fields of intelligence and- Military. Military and Security, technology and yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Okay. So totally bizarre, not often seen, but all you got to do is just get, get it onto their website and read their bios and stuff like that to get what's going on here. So- What am i saying here am i saying that the government is hiding ufos and aliens and they're all working to cover this up and let's all bust into area 51 no what i am saying is um i think this points to the the real story that's going on here which others have mentioned so essentially if if you sort of scratch beneath the surface really what i think has happened is you're looking at um foreign technology Mm -hmm. uh, most likely and um a lot of people actually think that at some point, what you've got is that war has changed and drones have become a huge factor in war, which we're mm-hmm. seeing the Ukraine war. Yep. And uh, you're also seeing m- mutations of balloons and drones. Um, and balloons can pick up a lot of information and they go quite slow, so they're not always picked up on radar. And uh it sounds like you had drones um, basically buzzing probably you know from a foreign government, the governments that have been named are probably China and Russia with China mm-hmm. being the main um, suspect. Um, so uh, you have um, uh, you know this is why I think you've got the military intelligence technological thing. and I wonder whether there is actually a bit of a little bit of disinformation going on here because, China probably has made some significant technological leap that the US hasn't worked out yet around a new kind of drone which does mm. things or the American public for them to hear that actually China is just sending drones into American airspace and buzzing stuff. The other thing that uh, to note is that there's been multiple reports of like US power stations mm-hmm. and nuclear plants being buzzed by drones. So effectively what's happening is warfare is becoming drone warfare, which yeah. is the first stage of robotic warfare, which is interesting. Um, And I think probably what's happened is uh, you've got the um, Chinese spy balloons come across. Mm -hmm. This stuff's been happening everywhere. The reason the Chinese said, well, we've got one too, is probably them saying, yeah, you're doing it to us. So they're both doing it to each other. Everyone's probably doing it to everyone, to be honest. And uh, the public sees it on social media. It creates a bit of a storm. So then there's a change where the government basically says, well, we're going to need to do something about this. And they start shooting them down. Um that's of note because it took a long time to get here. Mm. <laughs> but um I think what this means is one of the big things defining our gray zone moment is I think the the warming cold war between the US and China. Yes. Yeah. And I see this as an escalation of that. The shooting down. The shooting down. Because yeah. obviously they knew each other was spying on each other. That's what happens in a cold war. Mm. The um uh, uh, John Le Carre, the famous former British um, intelligence officer, and wrote all the Smiley series of books, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Those mm-hmm. books, he, you know, he one of his books was called The Looking Glass War. Mm-hmm. So he said a Cold War is where you look at each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what you've actually got now is you've got, you know, uh, US pilots firing Sidewinder missiles at then firing at unmanned craft. But this is, an, uh, this is an intensification. Now, the British government just announced that it's changed. It's basically how it assesses balloons and craft coming over its country. And so it looks like they'll start shooting them down too. So yeah, this okay. stuff starts to spread. Will Australia look at this, you know? Yeah. I, you know so there's balloons being going all around the world. But it's just one of those things where you just see things uh, uh, just – accelerating a little bit. I do have another point to make on why this perhaps may be happening at this moment and how this relates to the Ukraine war, but I'll just stop for questions from my fellow hosts.
0: Uh, so one question I have, uh, being a 30-something-year-old, I only caught the very tail end of uh, the Cold War, US-Russia, and... Um, and obviously wasn't particularly aware as a as a toddler of the uh global tensions that were occurring but how does this uh i guess iteration of a cold war compare to that and would you say that there's there's still that um collective anxiety like i guess when i look at the at the news um i don't check in with it as much as you do um but you know i do sense oh there there is a a significant global mm. tension, but would mm. you say that it's it's different that yeah. how are we as mm. you know people on the ground every day, mm. um in a relatively untouched mm. area. Um yeah, relatively. <laughs> um mm. yeah, how are we coping with it and how are mm. we responding? Is it different?
1: Well, I think I think that's a great. So the world that, as we understand it, has been shaped by the Cold War and then the lack of a Cold War. Yeah. Okay. So post World War II, that whole era was deeply shaped by an ideological battle between communism and capitalism. Yes. And Western liberal democracy and sort of Leninist, Stalinist, or Leninist states, Marxist Leninist states, um, and you know, so there was huge amounts of things done in the West to um, ensure that there is not a communist. Subversive element. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of people talk about you know woke culture in, in inverted commas um, or critical theory, and in many ways, part of the reason that happened was you had this new kind of post-Marxism is because intelligence agencies and people controlling you know institutions. There was a lot of work done in. Uh, sponsoring left voices that weren't talking about economics because mm. they feared subversion. So they would get them to talk about, you know, feminism. I think I've mentioned here on before, like Gloria Steinem, was a famous feminist, was like basically a CIA asset, you know, and there was multiple people, you know. Mm. Um, so, yeah, you, you had this um, shaping of culture, the other, you know, nuclear war, um, this great value in the West of you know like freedom and, and democracy versus you know sort of government control and so on, and then the world was shaped by oh my goodness it all went away very mm-hmm. quickly you know and I think for me you know my age group um, the 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 it ending was really what was amazing and um, and then you know the world well we're going to head towards this utopian yes. thing and you went from the world splitting from two great blocks into integration. So you had the bringing of China into the world economy and the idea was if we can all just connect enough, we're not going to go to war or we're not going to have struggle. Russia was brought into the global economy and, um, you know, so I think everyone thought that's the way we're going. We Mm. couldn't go back but I think we, we in a sense are heading into another Cold War. We're in a, you know, Russia is in a land war with Ukraine which is being supplied by increasing amounts of, Western, Western, you know, so you could argue there's a proxy war between mm-hmm. NATO and um, and NATO was set up to fight communism <laughs> like back in the day yeah, true. or yeah. be a, a protection against the Soviet Union. Um, so I think we're, we're – and this is the reason I'm bringing this up. I think one of the biggest things shaping our culture is was the Cold War, the lack of a Cold War. And so the cultural mood and the culture is going to change if we're re-entering into a Cold War 2.0. Yeah. Um, you are seeing, even in the last year, there was an interesting article called, uh, I think it was it's called this Woke Winding Down, and it talked about the Biden administration um, and how there was an element like when Trump was in, you know, you had a lot of sort of, you know, protest movements and and so on. We talked about this, you know, the difference yeah. between governing and, and pro, you know, in a sense protesting. And this article was arguing that now you've seen um, – it, it's almost, and I've heard this article didn't say this, but almost other people saying it's 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 less between left and right now as it is between the centre of the Western institutions. And mm. I think the Ukraine war has made this. So it's like let's defend the Western institutions versus these disruptive voices on the edges. And you'll see now them pushing back as much as the hard left and the hard right, mm. and even the hard left and the hard right are sounding the same. So so you know I think that we're moving to a time where. That thing of let's tear everything down. There's power over. Let's cancel everything. I think it is going to start to wind out. It's still around, but it's super mainstream now. But I think it's in in sort of the main institutions of the West interest to, in a sense, guard their institutions because if you're going to head into a cold war or potentially a future hot war with a foreign competitor like mm. China and Russia, oh, I mean a foreign competitor like China, or an alliance of China, Russia, and Iran, uh and you've got people in your own culture where you've encouraged this question authority, question yes, power, yes. you're in trouble. You're in trouble. So I think you're seeing the, the screw slowly being turned back a little bit where, you know, instead of pulling down the institutions, there's this language now we've got to celebrate our institutions of yes. freedom and democracy, look what Russia's doing in Ukraine. Um, so, I, you know, I think this is going to change things. Yeah. And I think it's just the start of this we're seeing, um, but uh, this is going to have tremendous change.
0: Yeah. And I like it's interesting, you know, if we think back of all the conversations that we've had about uh, the grey zone kind of moment that we're in and the notion of power shifting from, um, you know, institutions to becoming yes. fragmented and power moving yes. all the time. I wonder how difficult it or how that's going to change the nature of a Cold War. Yes. If power dynamics are so fluid. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that will be. Fascinating,
1: and it's almost like so. Maybe this you've sparked a possible answer to your original question: is mm. the First Cold War was very two centralized industrial institutional yes. economies trying to outdo each other, and Ronald Reagan almost deliberately tried to like get the Soviets to outspend themselves. You know, and and you know you could argue that Soviet Union exhausted itself because institutions fell. This is much more networked. So we're now talking about things like, um, you know, people are trying to break the dominance of the US dollar, you know, and China's trying to create a new network where like Russia's trading its oil in in, in yeah. one or, you know, like like Chinese currency is being used by India. So they want to create their own other network. And even even this brings everyone into play. So even, you know, look like in Latin America, they're like, um, they, I think it was uh, Lula, the Brazilian president, the new Brazilian president, and um, Alberto Fernandez I think in, in Argentina were like, we're not going to send aid or arms to Ukraine, you know. Yeah, so okay. like everywhere is in play now, um, even in the South Pacific, you know, like like places like Solomon Islands and Fiji are yeah. in play in this new global Cold War. But it's about who controls the network. Yes. And so even things like chip technologies, you know, quantum computing, um, and interestingly too, even so, from what I've read of the balloons and the drones, mm. they're actually creating networks of surveillance. So this is how they work. Yeah, they're bouncing okay. stuff with each other. So it's like literally what we're really at here is what we talked about a long time ago is China's trying to build a surveillance network over the US, yeah. you know, and US has already got one over China, so it's not all one way. Um, so I think it's more who controls the global network. And you look at China's initiatives like Belt and Road, they're trying to beat America because America control. I talk about this in Non-Anxious Presence. Since World War II, America has controlled the global network. Yes. China and it's bringing allies like Russia and Iran are trying to now create their own network in opposition and this is going to change culture dramatically.
0: But I think what's also really interesting is the um, first Cold War, if mm. we're saying that this is the second one, um, it was a lot easier for oh, national identity was much clearer. Yes, yes. Um, and so, you know, you think about all of the, the media that was produced in, um, you know, that was coming out of Hollywood in particular yes. um, during that period of time, it was very easy to uh, create a narrative and mm. and um, construct the other, the mm. um, the enemy, mm. um, and, you know, often they were mm. Eastern Bloc yes, representative yes, figures, yes, you know, yes. um, in like Die Hard's an example yes, of that, yes, even though yes. I've not seen the film. But... Oh, It'll we be should do a whole episode S- on yes. Die Hard, seriously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Near I think so yeah, yeah, yeah. But I wonder, you know, in 50 years' time, going back to look at the media that's produced, you know, the narratives that are being told mm. and retold, what's typical of them and how, mm. are, how are nations trying to establish national identities or are they?
1: Mm. Or
0: is it more um, networks establishing? identities and mm. you somehow connect to that network rather than it being mm. about national borders?
1: or Yes, yes. Anyway, I'm just a question. No, this, this, it's a great question because like um, I don't know if I mentioned this last week but like in Melbourne like oh, it was two weeks ago there was basically a sort of massive brawl at Flinders Street Station between supporters of the BJP in India, the Hindu Nationalist mm-hmm. Party, and supporters of an independent Sikh state. And yeah, right. most people in Melbourne don't even know this happened, no. you know, and there was video of it. It was like uh, hundreds of people in the street fighting. And um, that's how there's a networked, there's an issue happening in India, which is yep. about nationalism. Yeah, because you've got an Indian diaspora around the world connected through the internet, you can have a battle in Melbourne, Australia, about something that's about, you know, uh, in the Punjab region in, in India. Yes, so yes. I think you're right. But then like how do then these big forces bring all that stuff into play because all of this has got tensions. Do you yes. know what I mean? Um, so even in the Solomon Islands, you've got different islands and ethnic or cultural identities in the different islands. Some are aligned to the West, and some are aligned to to China. So even a small place like that, like the Solomon mm. Islands, this is dividing. Um, so. I think like, just on your comment with movies, I, I think it's going to be less movies. It's more the internet.
0: Yeah, well, that's what I, mean. I guess when yeah, yeah. I when I talk about media, I, I think about mm. the media products that a culture yes produces, um, yes. which is less about film yes now than it is about
1: yeah totally yeah, other I mean, it's it's even interesting. And look, this this sort of slightly brings us back. Maybe this will bring us full circle um, to the UAPs. Yes. So are we going to say no? Something? No, um, I wasn't. Uh, so interestingly. Um, you know and part of my part of my questioning of why okay, so this is my question and i've been wondering why are they being so imprecise with their language around yes. the uaps when i think it's very obvious they think they're chinese drones or sure, balloon yeah. drones or whatever um yet they're sort of keeping it open like well, we're not going to say they're not aliens like you mm. know that's going to like get picked up by the media and every news outlet was like it could be aliens you know um you know, there was the sort of big story that broke last week by Seymour Hersh, Pulitzer Prize-winning um, investigative journalist, who broke lie You know, um, uh, you know some of the stuff that happened to Abu Ghraib, and you know part of the reason the whole Church Committee happened, which was an investigation into what the U.S. intelligence community was doing around the Carter administration. Um, you know, he broke a story that basically U.S. hat was the ones who blew up Nord Stream One and Two. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and just to give you a quick history of that, very quickly, as fast as I can, uh, that um, at the end of the Soviet Union, um, Germany, West Germany, reached out to Russia and began to or Soviet Union began to do oil and gas, which mm-hmm. is really important for a country to get energy. But it went through Ukraine. It wasn't a problem when Ukraine went in, went independent. It became a problem because Russia didn't control Ukraine. So a lot of what's been happening in Ukraine is also about. The oil and gas that goes through Ukraine to the West. Yeah. Um, so you can because you can always turn it off. <laughs> you know what I mean? uh, So uh, Germany and and Russia built a new pipeline, um, and even that story is filled with intrigue. Um, which didn't go through a country, went through the Baltic Sea, and basically what that did is it gave um, a way to for for Russia and Germany to be aligned without going through Ukraine. Yes. So this served. Um, uh, Russia and Germany. Now, the whole time, um, uh, you know, there's American politicians have been amazingly unified from people like Ted Cruz to Democrats, uh, both Republicans, but all sides of the Republicans, all sides of the Democrats have overwhelmingly been against Nord Stream 1 and 2 because what it does is it gives Germany energy away from the US and it gives Russia a, a hand over Germany, if that yeah, makes sense of influence. Yeah. So when it blew up, um, you know, the, the blame was quickly attributed to Russia, even though the fact that it probably hurts Russia more than anyone um, and hurts Germany and pushes Germany more towards um, uh, the US. So Hirsch writes this article, basically says, you know, the Americans blew it up. Um, but what was really interesting was um, uh, hardly any commentary on it in America in or institutions like the Washington Post, which famously investigated Watergate. Now, I'm not saying Hirsch is right um, but it's an interesting story that should be pursued. Mm. And the New York Times, which, you know, backed him with things like um, May lie eventually when he did that massacre. So there is an element that I wonder if, if, you know, and I heard an interview with him, I think he did one interview, and he talked about the fact that it's totally different now, that, that in a sense there's such a strong uh, rally around the flag moment happening in the media because of Ukraine war and Russia mm. that no one wants to ask these secondary questions. So I wonder if it's now less about, movies portraying it as it is you know what you see on your instagram feed or your twitter feed is more how it will look now versus you know rambo fighting the russians in afghanistan yes. in rambo 3 2 <laughs> 3
0: i don't know I like haven't seen any of them oh sorry go on uh yeah, okay.
1: So, sorry, that, that I linked that to the UAP because part of me was like, is this a distraction? And I don't want to get a conspiracy theory. Here. I don't know. But, like, part of, like, now everyone's talking about the aliens and not that. Is this a dead sure. cat as we've used uh, the term Ah, yes, before. we
0: have used that term before.
1: Probably not, but it's just interesting that that story has sort of been ignored by lots of people.
0: Yeah. Well, we've covered a lot. Did you want to mention uh, your thoughts about Ukraine war?
1: Oh, yeah, just, just lastly, I, I think the other – so – what I'm saying is, we're laying a lot here. Um, you know, I think the sort of warming up of the Cold War and the escalation is going to change things globally. Yeah. Um, and I think the other thing that we're seeing is that you know uh, the very sort of hot rumor um, is that on the 24th, that you could see a significant, actually be saying on the 24th of February there could be significant escalation as Russia does another significantly large mobilisation. Um, what, what's
0: the significance of the 24th? Uh,
1: so I think that's the date they're saying. Is that the day when they actually went in?
0: No, because it was March.
1: March. I think I don't know what the date is, but I'm, I'm seeing that date. Um, I'm okay. looking at Daniel. What's Daniel? I'm looking at Rambo. <laughs> <laughs> it's us look at Rambo. <laughs> Which, by the way, is the end is dedicated to the brave Mujahideen of Afghanistan. So effectively Rambo two at the end is dedicated to Al-Qaeda. Or what emerged out <laughs> Qaeda, which is just fantastic. Um, there you go. Just yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm happy to happy to fact check something if you. Uh, yeah, so um, yeah, that's the date I've heard. I, okay. I can't sure, tell you sure. why, but yep. you know, there's the strong belief that you're seeing a build up similar to what you saw at the beginning of the war, and that mm. Russia is slowly starting to take some ground because there's a little bit of an impetus back. I think the last few months have been. Um, Ukraine's winning, they're routing the Russians and the Russians have changed command. And, but now they're sort of pushing back a bit. And, and I think again to, you know, you look at all of the, you know, at at the end of the year, a lot of the economic predictions you saw in all these banks and so on, they're all making that, you know, economy's going to recover, et cetera, et cetera. What they don't take into factor is these external events. The yep. reason the economy is stuffed at the moment and we're in trouble is because of COVID and the Ukraine war. Yeah, No one could predict them. No one at the beginning of, you know, 2020 was predicting, you know, at JP Morgan that, oh, we're going to have a war and a pandemic. Um, so, you know, I think that you're going to see a continuation and possibly escalation of of the battle in in. Uh, in Ukraine, and and I hope it is not so, but you could start to see the, the fighting become more brutal, and and you know you could see. Um uh, this is this is going to drive also that cold War dynamic that we're mm. talking about as well. You're seeing you're seeing an escalation too in terms of, and I'm not saying this is right or wrong, I'm not making any judgment calls on that, but you know you've gone in a year from people offering material aid to different kinds of weaponry to you know just started offering leopard tanks and the US is going to provide, I think Abram's battle tanks and the British Challenger tanks. As soon as they're tanks, we're now talking fighter jets. So there's an element where you're going to get to a point where this escalation just keeps going at a rapid rate. Yeah. Um, so the overarching thing is escalation is what we're seeing mm. and and that's going to have an effect on culture. And, you know, I think as you said in the Cold War it, it changed and there's a bit more of a rally. Not so much, I don't think it's going to be as much as a rally around the flag, you know, Rambo with an American flag and Ronald Reagan as much as it's going to be an advocacy of the West as a positive thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and um, it may even—I think Christopher Mott wrote an article—he called it the woke imperium. About you know, you could even see some of those sort of woke values being held onto, but pushed outward. Like we're fighting Russia because they don't believe in this stuff. You're already yeah, seeing that, yeah. um, and even Russia portraying itself as sort of a conservative Orthodox Christian nation, and and Islam, you know, and even Putin's t- even talking about protecting Islam, you yes, know. Yes, okay. uh, uh, yeah. So again, too, I think the, I think we're moving out of a period, um, and we're moving into a new period. It's grey zone. We're just starting to see it take form, but I think uh, twenty twenty three it's going to continue to change.
0: I do have one sort it. of side question that doesn't really cover necessarily anything that we've Rambo three covered. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> I've written it, and I'd like yes. to pitch it yeah. to our listeners. No. Um, Obviously, there have been a number of big events um, occurring uh, in the last week or so and I guess we haven't mentioned it but the earthquakes in yes, yes. Turkey and Syria. Yes. Um, I wonder with all that we've talked about, how does uh, – uh, first of all, that is huge. Yes, um, yes, yes. There, there have been so many people whose lives have been taken mm. um, and it's, yeah, definitely – Something that we as the church can pray mm. for, um, and yeah, contribute to aid and mm. all of that. Um, but if we zoom out and just take mm. a look at that in the context of all of the other things yes. that are going on yeah. in the world, yes. how do those do those things interplay yes. at all? Like, yes. um, how might that feed into you know greater economic yeah. um, unre- like yes, yeah, yeah. decline. Etc.
1: So the Turkey earthquake and Syrian earthquake. Well, first of all, I just talk about Syria. I mean, Syria, we forget, has been in a war for a long time. Yes. And as the West's focus on the Ukraine war has also been in neglect of the Syrian war, which has been utterly devastating. So you mentioned there, you know, aid and stuff like that. And I think often, and I feel this, like I'll, I'll think give to something when it's in the news, but you can forget something later. Yes. And, you know, Syria is still a place in desperate need um, and, and a tragic, tragic country that we need to continue to pray for. Um, And to have an earthquake on top of this in places, you know, unbelievable. Um, Can't imagine it. Turkey already was in significant trouble before the earthquake. So um, Richard Erdogan, who's the president of Turkey, um, essentially – has been creating a civilizational state, yeah. you know, as we've talked about here before, around Turkish values and and even with designs or or reaching out to Turkish Turk, Turkic communities, yeah. which go all the way to Western China, mm-hmm. um, and uh, he is currently experiencing unprecedented inflation because of the Ukraine war. I'd love to get if you can. How good are you, Daniel, at getting me the Turkish inflation rate? Like like. Insane, insane amount. So there's already significant economic pressure on the Turkish people um, and uh, Turkey is becoming more um, pushing its power forward. So Turkey, Mm. with the West and Russia, Turkey throughout its history has fought with um, Russia but he's playing a bit of a role where he's almost like playing both sides a little bit at the moment. Now some of the pipelines, I talked about pipelines as well, some of the alternate pipelines that were built – uh, go through Turkey to Western Europe and yep. particularly for Southern European countries. So Turkey is a very key country when it comes to energy for Western Europe, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, also you've got Turkey going into uh, – Turkey's got a problem with the Kurdish minority mm-hmm. and we had recently a, 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 a terrorist attack. Uh, I think it was, was it in Istanbul I think. Um, and so Turkey has designs on going into even places like northern Iraq or, yeah. or norther, into northern Syria. Um, so Turkey is becoming a powerful country. It's a country in tremendous trouble though and we've got a Turkish election coming up soon mm-hmm. where there is significant dissatisfaction against Russia, Re- Erdogan and um, inflation. We've got a Turkish inflation number. Yeah, late last year it was up around 85% it dropped down. By to sixty four percent compared to the US, which is like six percent. Yeah, which is unbelievable. Crazy. crazy, Yeah, you're a Turkish family, you know. And look, we know through history. You look at countries like I'm not saying this is going to happen to Turkey, but you look at countries like you know Germany, which had hyperinflation, Zimbabwe, and, yeah. and, and you know bad things happen. So you've got you got Turkish involved in in civil unrest in its own country with its minorities. You've got it involved in you know, external things, you've got it on the edge of, uh, you know, also it's become a bit of a grain hub, like it's trying to get grain out of Ukraine and, you know, into the rest of the world. And then this earthquake is just unbelievable on top of this. Mm. So I think it's going to have an effect. Turkey is another country that we need to keep our eyes on um, in in what's happening in the world. But this is what we're seeing. We're seeing a world which is going from just America as the sole unipolar to a lot of these smaller, or these medium powers and what happens to them has effects on the rest of the world. Yes. So, um, Turkey is a country we need to pray for, and just just more from a church perspective. Also, Turkey is a lot of people who have escaped from from places like Syria, Christians Christians yeah. who have escaped from places like Iran. Uh, Turkey's taken a lot of refugees, and um, uh, you know, so there's a lot of Middle East church. Uh, churches have found refuge and leaders have found refuge in that place. So praying yes. for them as well in the midst of this because I think yeah. Turkey is a sort of gateway to what God's doing in the Middle East at this point in time.
0: Whew, well, we've covered a lot of ground. Um, yeah, thank you for your thoughts and reflections and giving a bit of clarity perhaps to um, the, the broader brushstrokes of, of what's happening, shifting and changing in culture with, yeah, big world events. Mm. occurring we will be back next week with um an episode that continues on with uh, discipling the contemporary self and we look forward to chatting about that if you have any questions send us an email and you can do that by connecting to our subscriber list via rebuilders.co we'll catch you next time